Welcome to the Story MFG podcast. This is the 20th one or something, right, Katie? It's like the third. Third? Third. Well, I mean, hopefully it'll be the third to be released, but I think this might be the eighth we've recorded. I'm not going to talk about it every single time we do a podcast, but it's quite cursed. <laughs> and the curse being my idiocy of Have setting up equipment. Uh, don't worry, this time Iman's done it. This is all set up correctly. Everything should be good. So this is the podcast where we talk about stuff that's to do with the brand StoryMFG. The idea being to make kind of a boring podcast <laughs> that's boring for most people and interesting for people like me and Katie who like to know about businesses and about natural dyes and all of the little like exciting things that we find exciting and one of them being perfume. So in as we we're launching our perfume this week, we've got Joseph on. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this isn't going to be boring. No, no, this one isn't going to be boring. Um, so we've got Joseph Vaughn to talk about perfume. He's the, what would you call yourself? Perfumer? Uh, I'd call myself a perfumer, yeah. Yeah, okay. that works. Okay, he's the perfumer that created the perfumes that we've got releasing this week. The first one being Earth Tone Research and the second one being Neverending Meadow. And hopefully more to come in a year or something mm -hmm. welcome joseph <laughs> wow thank you so much uh so happy to be here <laughs> and the other voice of the devil you can hear is my wife and partner katie hello <laughs> <laughs> should we start by asking joseph to introduce himself in mm -hmm. his in his words mm -hmm. well absolutely uh, my name is joseph Bauermeister. i am head perfumer at perfume making company which is the company which i design perfume under uh and i got into making perfume a couple of years ago my background is in translation and linguistics, specifically Japanese. Uh, and then after doing that for a bit, I did a master's degree in luxury uh, and all throughout went on this incredible journey of making perfume and getting slowly gooder at it and started doing it for other people and <laughs> had a great time. And the other people that you make it for, you are not allowed to discuss, right? Because some of them I can, some of them I can't. Okay. You give it we only want to know about the ones you can't. <laughs> yeah, you want, you want to know the ones I can't? No, you want me to break kidding. NDAs, see no, how many I can no. do in a row? No, not at all, no. You're the first person that we've worked with uh, that wasn't a big company that made us sign an NDA. <laughs> <laughs> I, one thing about me, I love rules. <laughs> I love contracts. I love writing them. Uh, it, yeah, it's good stuff. The longer the PDF, the better. There, there, there's, there's, something, uh, there's something about your manner where I, I would not say you love rules mm. but i would also say you love rules so when it comes to perfume are there uh, there are rules right and, and do people break them and, and some give us some examples yeah, of how those. do you feel about breaking them uh you can't because it's a crime uh oh, okay. a lot of a lot of one of the misconceptions in perfume is that well we don't know what's in there it could be anything ah oh, there could be nasty chemicals no it's a highly regulated professional industry there is government involvement why would it make sense not to be that way uh, so no, there are rules and I find those rules less restrictive and more sort of as inspiration or giving me a framework to work around. So that's kind of like, I guess the reason I love rules is because I love games. Uh, big fan of board games, big fan of card games, uh, tabletop RPGs, uh, I'm deep in there. So yeah, rules, I think I just have a different kind of relationship with like if I was building something out of Lego bricks and you told me, okay, new rule, you can only build with Lego bricks, which look like they'd taste good. That'd be awesome. I would be all over that. <laughs> so yeah, any kind of, any kind of thing like that is, is great. And I think 
yeah, I think that's just somehow bled out to things like NDAs where I'm like, oh, what if? And I'm like, oh, I'll include a clause for, so yeah. And another thing that sort of, another reason I made you sign an NDA is because uh, the cool thing with perfume or maybe not so cool thing is that perfume formulas don't count as intellectual property. So it's kind of, well, if somebody does see that and they haven't signed an NDA, there is nothing to stop them from just running with it and, you know, making that themselves. I like that you're protecting us. Gotta make sure. Gotta make sure. Has or himself? No, he's protecting us. I'm protecting that you. meme where there's the soldier protecting the kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody took that, if some, if you like left that formula just like out on a table and a customer took it, it'd be gone. There'd be nothing you could do. Couldn't sue them. Couldn't do anything. While that is true, I now know after having to having had to be party to creating the perfume that you designed, Mm-mm-mm. it would be a it would be quite a tall task for them to get that done. Yeah, thankfully my formulas are a freaking nightmare. So <laughs> if you're out there, you're thinking of stealing my formulas, good luck. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't want to be you. you so. know, even if you had the formula, how would you get be so like, the 60 plus in- in- ingredients? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, and some of the ingredients, the like good luck tracking them down. It's That's just what like I mean. It's most, like a yeah. treasure hunt. It is, it is. It is like a treasure hunt. Not so. a challenge. Not a challenge. Please don't at me. I don't want that to happen. But yeah, no, you'd be hard pressed, even if you did somehow get your hands on it. But to be honest, just make something else. Mm, okay. Um, when I said rule breaking, mm. I was think I was thinking more about conventions of yeah. perfume making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there? Is every is everything really the same, or, or do there are, are there rule breakers? Uh, actually, one thing I've never asked you. Mm. This isn't just the podcast, but are there people that come along and actually just change, change it? Because like with music yeah, or with art, yeah, yeah, yeah. someone comes along with a new way of doing things, like and suddenly it creates a whole new way of looking at things. But mm. with perfume, is can that happen even? Oh, absolutely. So one thing that's not commonly known is that. About 90% of the world's perfumes are made by the same four companies. So no, Tom Ford doesn't make his own perfume. He's a great creative director and he does have some involvement in that part of the process, but it'll actually be outsourced to one of the large uh, perfume making companies. Uh, There's like a couple in Europe. There's like one big one in America. Um, And in terms of breaking conventions, the reason that those conventions exist is because people are used to working with them. And because people have sort of, you know, over decades literal decades they've sort of grown accustomed to of this is what a cologne smells like this is what a masculine perfume smells like this is what a feminine perfume smells like and so on and so forth you can break those conventions but you also need to be aware be aware as a creator and a designer what breaking those conventions will do so for example if you have something that is really important that you want to communicate you want to express that thing you kind of have to do it in a way which is also going to be understood so you can go like way off the beaten track and go way out there and go super crazy with what you're making. Uh, but just be aware that that might alienate some people. Um, some people who are sort of have an idea in their head of what fragrance is and what it's supposed to smell like. So you have to kind of find that sweet spot of where you do something different and completely personal, but you also take into account the fact that these are the conventions, these exist because of this and that, and you kind of have to follow the lines a little bit, but also know and know how to do with intention sort of outside them are there perfumes can i go yeah are there, are there <laughs> have you come across perfumes i know that there are perfumes fragrances whatever you want to call them i'm actually never sure which word to use but i know there are some where you know i pick, might pick up one and i'll be like oh that's really nice and katie smells it and then she's like oh that smells bathroomy 
but she still thinks it's nice. And mm. that in general, like most of them are, are really nice. Are there any out there that like one person might find alluring and someone else is like, actually, that's disgusting. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot. Um, classically, you can find that when you go sort of cross-culturally. Um, so, for example, one smell which I absolutely adore is Osmanthus. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Japan, that's very commonly used in bathroom cleaner or sort of, you know, things that you use to sort of freshen the air after you've used the bathroom. So that's sort of one way where I was like, oh, yeah, I love things that smell like Osmanthus. And all my Japanese friends were like, really? <laughs> and uh, a good friend of mine, one thing that she say, sort of says a lot is whether you will like Rose or not wholly depends on your relationship with your grandmother. Mm. So if you had a bad time at grandma's house and she had a load of rose scented stuff out, you're probably not going to like rose that much. You'll be like, no, this smells like old ladies and old ladies don't like me. Mm. Um, But if you had a wonderful time there, you'll have very fond sort of associations with it. So yeah, you can really heavily have those big sort of pivots. And whenever you're trying to make a perfume for a lot of people, um, you kind of want to make sure that it can never pivot so hard that one person's going to find it disgusting so you kind of try and like streamline it to a certain extent so maybe there'll be some people who go oh this isn't my cup of tea but no one will outright reject it um and in terms of answering your question yeah there are perfumes out there where some person might love it some person might absolutely hate it Uh, and those tend to be perfumes from independent houses uh that have those sort of very polarizing results well i was gonna you maybe you've kind of answered it but when you're creating a perfume yourself like your own creative brief Mm. where do you sit in that like rule breaking conventional kind of spectrum it really depends it depends on sort of finding the balance between something personal which feels authentic and true to my experiences that i want to share with people and also what i think people are going to understand from it so For example, if you really want to go out there and do something sort of, okay, this is about this one walk that I was on where snow started falling and then I felt this really sort of intangible way, you can really go for it. And sometimes I do. But if it's something that I know other people are going to smell, I have to try and like think of what would make people feel the way that I felt when I was in that moment. Um, So I kind of try and decide what my spectrum is and then decide, okay, is this a message that like, I want people to feel the way that I felt like bar none. I don't want like vastly interpretable uh, fragrance. Or is this something where I'm happy if somebody said, actually, to me, this means something completely different. And actually, this is for me something. So for me, it sort of varies from project to project. And finding that sweet spot for stories fragrances was probably one of the things which took me the longest amount of time. So what does that say about us? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. My my sort of um, process is a lot of sort of standing outside in beautiful places and thinking deeply about what I want to do, what I want to sort of achieve with a fragrance and how I want it to make people feel. But you're going after something ultimately beautiful, not something polarizing. Yes, 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 yes. yes. You kind of want people to... I don't know. If you guys wanted to do that, if you were like, I want to do something that feels like jazz and sort of like really choppy and wild and I want to divide people, um, I could definitely do that. And I would if there was a need or a purpose, but at the end of the day, I wanted to make something that felt the way that your clothes feel, the way that people feel when they wear your clothes, the way that people feel when they see them. And that's sort of what I latched onto. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for doing that. No worries. (laughs) (laughs) There's something a little bit egotistical that I've noticed about all 
brands and people mm. that have brands that um, are wanting to build a world. Yes. Yeah. So I know designers who've just started out and they're like, okay, now I'm doing a shoe and I'm doing a fragrance and mm-hmm. I'm doing a sound mm-hmm. and we're making a soundtrack and like building the whole world. Like some, and it's so alluring. Like me and Katie, as, um, as guilty as anybody else. But over the years, I've sort of mellowed on that idea. Like after doing stuff and not really hitting the mark and being like, yeah, there really isn't a playlist that is just story. And I'm not sure what the shoe would look like and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the idea of the perfume was something that was always we wanted to do, but I felt like we didn't really have a, a point of view, really. And I, and I wasn't sure there was a point of view out there. Like we found like a very specific slice of the earth and of of a niche when we when we built when we found when we started story we we had these like natural dyes and craft practices and like weird funky smelly materials with a wide silhouette but workwear clothes like we 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 really found like we were like a keep saying it but like a cloud car clown car that hit a gold mine Mm -hmm. um we didn't know what we were getting into but but one of the things that really makes story story is the is these like old craft practices that are naturally based that kind of make that kind of force the earth to be like a a collaborator on the thing that you're making and i didn't think there was anything like that in perfume and um i don't know if you remember when we first started talking and you i was on instagram and you were talking about perfume Mm -hmm. about making making a perfume at that time we were talking to someone else and they'd sent us like a bunch of stuff and they were like hey it could be like this and it could be like this and it was like do you remember, Katie? It was just so underwhelming. It was like mm-hmm. eight vials of smell, and they just were like, it, "You could, I could, we could have been walking around an airports." It was predictable. Mm. Just mm. smelling stuff, yeah. not even predictable, but like it didn't have, you know, like they smelled good, but I wasn't sh- sure what the point was. Mm. Um, and then when you came in and kind of did like a consultation or just a chat, and you were like, "Hey, the this is what I understand story to be, and this is where I think." this is the parts of the perfume world that I think are aligned. And then you started talking to us about Mitty Attar and about a bunch of things. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we don't have to do anything here. Like it, it's done. <laughs> These things exist and we just pull them together in the same way that we do the story. Like, I don't want to like diminish our role as designers, but really mm-hmm. we're just connecting dots. Sometimes we're like, there's this beautiful natural indigo dye with that's been happening despite us for 2000 years with this bacteria and we could put a, a toilet roll in there and bring it out and it would make it beautiful. Should I be writing that down? <laughs> um, so to, to make a trucker jacket that way, it just, it, it makes it beautiful. And then to find out that there's, there's these things in the, in the perfume world, it's, that was, that was kind of the point where I was like, okay. And I'm sure, and I'm sure anyone that follows me on Instagram has seen how like extremely bullish I've been now about perfume mm-hmm. and about this because I'm so excited to introduce it it's so exciting would you recount like a little bit of that first thing and what you told us about so my my side of the story is i first found out about your brand in 2018 um and i've been following it since then because back then i was just learning a lot about a lot of different brands because i worked in a multi-brand retailer and i wanted to be really really good at my job so i found out about loads of brands even brands we didn't stock because i found it easier to talk to customers about the brands that we had in stock if i knew more about the brands that existed outside of this sort of microcosm that's so you Uh, (laughs) so i am a massive nerd um and i did a master's degree in luxury and i'm a big fan of 
brands with perspective and brands that are interesting. Um, and story is super interesting to me. And so by the time that I had messaged you on Instagram, I was kind of like tapping my fingers going like, oh, I, I know for sure that Story MFG would make a great fragrance, but why haven't they done it yet? Like, I can't understand. Like, nobody wanted that fragrance to exist more than I did. Uh, and then when I reached out, I was like, well, I'm just going to find out, like, if they are thinking of making a fragrance, what's sort of getting in the way? Maybe I can, like, Life. help bring this thing <laughs> to fruition if possible. Um, but of course, perfume is extremely complicated. And in addition to its complexity, it's also quite gate kept. So people sort of within perfume tend to not sort of help new brands or brands who don't have massive amounts of money or sort of MOQs um, to sort of enter that world. So I was like, well, you know, I'll have a conversation with them, sort of see where they're up to, see where I can help them out. And I'll bring a couple of things that I think they'd be interested in. Uh, and it was actually my partner, Evelina, who at the time said, oh, but what if they ask about your perfumes? Do you want to bring your perfumes along? And I was like, mm, I don't know. That feels kind of like I'm trying to push it on them. I don't want to really do that. And she was like, no, just bring it anyway. And I was like, okay. So I brought my perfume along and this thing, which I thought that you would like called Mitiata, because I had found out about it uh, a couple of months prior. And I was like, this stuff is awesome. Um, and then I started talking to you about sort of your brand and what I thought that maybe perfume would look like if it was in the story MFG sort of creative universe, because you do have sort of a huge, huge world already. And I think organically you sort of could spill over into other things like perfume and it would feel like a natural ex extension because your creative universe is already so rich. If you think back to sort of early 2010s back when you know fast fashion brands would do like a sustainable line think back to sort of what that looked like that would be sort of beige a lot of beige just undyed things maybe some denim if you're lucky not a lot of color and you sort of think about when I was doing a lot of research in the early phases of making a perfume I was like well what makes story story is the fact that you have your perspective and your values and everything else. And then you have this, this level of sort of joyfulness and fun and playfulness and sort of combining those two and sort of meeting it in the middle is what you guys do so well. So that was sort of this first meeting that we had. And then you said, Oh, we really like the fragrances that you did. And I thought, wow, what? And you said, well, why don't you just do it for us? And I thought, you know what? I could. And I think that in the moment I was like, well, if anybody is going to try way too hard at this, it's going to be me. <laughs> so after we had that meeting, what I did was, is I did a lot of research on what you guys do, uh, your brand. And I think there are many moments during that research process where it felt like it clicked. And one of those is the cotton fleece that you guys did. Um, I don't know if that was like a huge deal for you. Uh, and I remember seeing sort of things that you wrote about it where you said it was so much effort. Uh, and I remember thinking like, that's it. That's their process. They found something that they loved that they found out was sort of made of tiny microplastics that could go in the ocean, ruin everything. And they tried to find a way to enjoy it in the way that they used to but kind of make it less bad at the same time. So you've kind of taken this archive thing, sort of nostalgia, you love it. You maybe had it during your childhood, this Patagonia fleece or whatever. And then you sort of went, but no, I can't enjoy it because it's bad for the planet. It's ruining everything. And you sort of put that story perspective on it and you were like, okay, natural dyes, natural fibers. And you sort of brought it to life in that way. And I was like, that is what I want to do with the perfume as much as possible, because that seems to be like the core of what you seem to do really, really well. Not to interrupt, but that is exactly one 
of the different things and that's probably the biggest thing but it's so interesting that it's exactly aligned with what you're talking about mm-hmm. where you said if i could only put together legos that look like they taste good yes that's the yeah. those are the the confines that you've made for yourself mm-hmm. and we have made confines for ourselves and and although we should hate it we love it and yeah, that's yeah. what breeds creativity i think there's a saying i'm sh- sure there's a saying that something like confines breed creativity maybe or necessity something. i think you said it yeah, I mean, I, I always talk. I, I remember reading a, a read, reading an interview with the White Stripes in the NME when I was like, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, this must have been like two thousand and nine or something. Whenever they were big, and they only use you know a, a guitar or a bass guitar and a drum set mm, and mm. nothing else. And they were asked, you know, with and this was after the first or second album, they were asked if they were going to try and bring in more more um, more people to kind of elevate their sound and they were like no that's exactly the point to keep innovating within within what we have and i was like oh my god that's so fucking cool that is really fucking cool <clears throat> and for me to like just take that wholesale now I, like now i'm like yeah we're cool like that too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you are cool you are cool you i should love take that. i've heard that story like 17 times <laughs> it's so true though so impactful <laughs> yeah. it's had such a massive it impact it really stuck with you that didn't it it really it really stuck with me it mm-hmm. also to read it and that's kind of why i like doing this podcast that's why i like write like having you know talking direct to people i like them more for knowing that yeah, yeah. like i like uh, it, it makes them seem more efforty and it makes everything <laughs> seem more more purposeful mm-hmm. and it also makes it more impressive and that's that i'm sure that at the time i mean they both they, they, the brand split up and then the guy that wrote that thing went and made a band with like a hundred other people <laughs> <laughs> and they had like strings and everything enough. <laughs> <laughs> i went totally the opposite way so i guess he probably changed his mind but i haven't i like i still like it um yeah sorry carry on <laughs> but no that that whole sort of storification of things that you felt that you loved that you wanted to like reinterpret and sort of paint with your own brush was a process which I latched onto very early in the creative process. Uh, the next thing which I did was I went to department stores where I knew you were stocked. I took one of everything and I went to the changing room and I tried them all one by one and you took didn't. notes. I did. I took notes of how each garment made me feel, sort of what I was getting, what I was smelling. And I was sort of like, okay, let me, let me try and get into the mindset of like what this would be in perfume, like how, how sort of loud would the perfume be? Well, like, would it be smooth? Would it be scratchy? Like what would it, what would it, how do I want this to make people feel? What would it look like? What would a story MFG perfume be like? Um, and that was a precursor to me attending one of your sample sales, uh, where I actually did get to interview a couple of people about, Hey, what do you, you like? Didn't. about? I did. <laughs> what do you like about story MFG? Um, and so I sort of took that perspective cause I was like, well, of course I'm making this. I want to make something that Katie and Saeed are going to love, but also I want to make something that the people who love story MFG are going to love for the same reasons. And time and time again people were saying yeah i love the way that story mfg's clothing makes me feel and sort of like their colors and then like the joyfulness and everything else and i got all of these interesting adjectives um and i kept these in a notebook and i sort of used these as my sort of north star while uh putting those early drafts together before you guys smelled i think the third draft um, that was a third draft there's a third draft yeah uh and that was sort of my process uh thankfully i I got a good, a lot of good um, research skills from my time doing my masters. So I was very used to conducting this kind of like qualitative, very like methodical, like, okay, talk to the people, feel the clothes, look out how, like, look how um, department stores are merchandising them, what brands are they next to, et cetera, et cetera. 
so once was that before or after we had our meeting that was after right so we'd already that was kind after of the first meeting we'd already kind of given you a vibe of what we liked yes though. yeah but you that first meeting before you'd done any of this research mm. you brought sense that you thought we would like correct yeah how how <laughs> how and then and then second part to that question you you both mentioned mitiata mm. which was one of the things you brought can you do you explain in your work can i can i just say oh, yeah. something first because that first meeting mm. afterwards i was like what did you think katie because a lot of the time katie's not into stuff mm. and mm. It's not, i'm not saying that she's two-faced at all like she she i think, I think that she, is she, what you're saying no, no, you make it known at the time but some a lot of the time you're we're like you're like whelmed you're not like overwhelmed or underwhelmed so afterwards i was i was like is she gonna say yeah it was good but i don't know if it's worth the effort we've got don't a lot going on me. we've got a lot going on right now because we do have a lot going on we you know, like two weeks ago, we had a meeting with someone about footwear. Super exciting. And then Kate, we were like, we, Kate's like, we just don't have time. It's not worth it. Mm. After that meeting, Kate was rabid. I love him. He did. You were. And also Billy, our, Billy, Billy, Billy also our general manager, him. was like, he, he's amazing. Like, we were, oh I, I was impressed by you. But you were like, I want to wear it right now. I just want to wear, I want, you, you, you wanted to wear like the individual things that yeah. he, he bought. Mm-hmm. Well, I've never smelt stuff like that before. I grew up with like essential oils, which you put, put a few drops on yeah, water yeah. and then you put a candle underneath. Like, the, I don't know, Lang Lang or whatever they're mm-hmm. called, mm-hmm. vanilla. But like the stuff you brought, I've never smelt stuff like that before. Yeah, the, that, was, that was, I think, a second meeting where I brought all of the different materials. And that was after I'd done my research and I was like, from all of the materials that I can find that I know of, these are the ones that feel most story. Um, and from those, I went in on cardamom especially because for some reason I was like, cardamom feels the most out of all of these things story. And then I sort of brought them all to that, uh, the studio where we had that meeting and I sort of went through each of them together with you uh, and got your feedback, how you felt about them. And that sort of informed like, okay, this one I could include, but it shouldn't be noticeable. This one I can include, but it should be this amount. This one I can include lots of because they really like it. This one I want to stand out. This one I can still like use as a tool within a larger formula, but I don't want them to know that it's in there. Um, for example, you guys hated blue chamomile. Uh, and I was like, okay, I know that they hate it, but I, I think <laughs> if I use like a really small amount just to give it that little bit of herbaceous, nostalgic shine, then I know that like, they're not going to know it's in there. But you hid the vegetables. I hid, hid the, the vegetables. vegetables. I hid the vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Holy, holy, holy. So yeah, that meeting was very much about, okay, I think I know what this brand's palette would be sort of in the world of fragrance. Let me sort of get their feedback on it and see what they are sort of compelled towards or not. That was interesting meeting for me too, because, mm. um, you know, I've spent more of my life now in, in the West than, than the Arab world, but I still, I still remember and I, you know, I have Arab family and, um, my relationship with a lot of the smells was very different to Katie's and very different. And Katie's and Billy's, you know, were, were really similar. And mine, some of them were like foodie to mm. me and they weren't foodie to you. Some of them were, some of them I associated with food in a, I'm saying the same thing, but some of them were like, mm, that reminds fishy because we would classically serve it with fish in, in the Arab world or some things you were like, oh, that's very strong. Like rose, you know, rose or any of these other ones. Those are very classic Arab oud, oudi like smells mm-hmm. and I love them. 
but to you, Katie, you were like, what's a bit old lady, old, old, they're a bit oldie. <laughs> um, that was really, really interesting. It's my favorite part about perfume is that visual, visual stuff is great. Clothes are awesome too, but nobody walks up to a jacket and is like, let me tell you about this dish I had when I was four. <laughs> I really miss the smell of cardamom wafting up from a bed of hot rice. You, you only get that. Well, you can get it with clothing as well. You only get that with perfume for me. And if I'm naturally an introvert, if I wasn't so interested in finding out more about people, then I would just never talk. Mm. But I love people and I love finding out more about their perspective and sort of their memories and what makes them tick and sort of like their view of the world. And perfume is awesome because it's kind of like, I've described it in the past as like echolocation. It's dropping like something in a well and then what it, what that perfume echoes off in somebody, you learn something about that person. Mm. So maybe, okay, Katie doesn't like Rose because it reminds her of like old ladies. Okay, maybe she had to like clean out houses when she was younger or something, I don't know. Saeed really likes cardamom from a, like a foodie perspective. Okay, maybe this was something that meant a lot to him when he was younger kind of thing. Uh, and those things were very clear the, on the day. Mm. And I remember saying, and then Billy looking relieved, I remember saying afterwards, like, just make sure that, this isn't made for me and Katie. Like it has yes, a commercial. Yes, 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 yes. It's commercial. I remember because, that because I I was like, well, if we're if we're if we're building a scent that's for me, a personal mm-hmm, scent, mm-hmm. it's gonna smell, you know, it's gonna funky. smell funky. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Because I'm I'm in, I'm into that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and if we build it for Katie, it might smell. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I have no like idea. Impulso too. <laughs> yeah, it could do. <laughs> and like and like. And I remember you explaining like it's about striking a balance between those yes, things, about yes, building a bridge. hundred percent. And the thing that we, the thing that I was worried about is not that it would be uncommercial, but I was worried about like these classic perception of what a male and female scent mm-hmm, would be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know that when we were talking at the time, we we're talking about not to be too abstract, but we were talking about one, one scent, and we ended up with two. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think we got two sides of a coin mm-hmm. with this with the scents, um, but I. Yeah, I guess I, I, we, we, I was like, I really hope we make something unisex because with story, we I think we manage it well to make make everything feel un ungendered or all gendered yes, or whatever yeah. I, I'm, you know. Um, but yeah, and you were talking, and, and you were like, yes, of course, it's about making something commercial. I'm not going to sm- make something that smells like under a fingernail or something because <laughs> one, one person likes the smell of it. Um, do you remember anything? I just remember that you had this like way of telling stories about the smells which i wasn't expecting from that meeting at all and i think that's part of what i was like that's kind of what we do or we at least Mm, what we talk mm. about amongst ourselves and then that the one the one particular fragrance that we'd never heard of before or at least i had never heard of it before and then you told this story and i think literally my socks flew off I was that was let's just really, tell it now we're just edging yeah, I, that's it. what I want I, I, I already asked I would love to, to for that for Joseph because I've heard us talk about it loads recently talk about what I consider I'm not sure if you do I consider the hero ingredient in the sense which mm-hmm. is Mithyatar mm-hmm. so the Mithyatar I don't know if we've already explained this maybe we haven't but it's made from these sort of pots that you have and sort of different clay items that you have a lot in some areas of India and these will typically be like disposable clay items so you'll like drink a hot tea out of it and then you'll smash it on the road because it's clay it's made of earth it's biodegradable so 
they collect up all of these sort of broken clay teapots, broken clay plates, broken clay items, uh, and then they distill them with the same process that they would as if they were sort of rose petals or uh, jasmines or anything else. And they extract that sort of oil of the clay, uh, which is the miti, and distill it down until you have the miti atar. Um, and that's the hero ingredient of pretty much both fragrances. It's more present in maybe one than the other. Um, but that's sort of where they both started was all centered around this incredible ingredient and sort of pairing things with it. And I remember sort of during our fragrance material discovery meeting, uh, we sort of started talking about fragrance archetypes because in that moment I was looking for my equivalent of the fleece jacket. So I was looking for some kind of like, okay, what archetype would story sort of most be served to reinterpret and storyfy. Uh, and we were talking, Katie, about the Shepra, uh, which is sort of citrus at the top. Then you have your oak moss in the middle, and then you have this resinous labdanum. And it's sort of a very simple but very effective sort of three-beat thing. And then you build stuff around it, uh, which is really classic. It's quite vintage. It's not as popular now in its classical form, but people reinterpret it all the time. And I was like, okay, I think this is... And you, you sort of said that you were interested in that. Uh, I sort of thought when, yeah, I think this is the one, I think this is going to be what sort of fits really well around the Mitya for the first fragrance. And what, what, what is a Shepra? So Shepra is a genre of fragrance. Um, some people think Shepra comes from uh, the word for Cyprus. Uh, it, I think the true origin is that it comes from the word of oak. And it's a classic unisex fragrance, which is like, it's a little bit like fresh, a little bit powdery, a little bit woody, a little bit resinous. It's really like vintage. Like if you smell it, you'll go, yeah, that's that's something that my dad wore. It's like your Aramis is a classic Shepra and it's kind of like, yeah, we, we know it when we smell it. Um, and it's kind of a nice blend of fresh, woody, rich um, kind of fragrance. It's It's not like... It's not like mahogany, but it's like mahogany textured almost. Uh, and I thought of sort of thought that this more vintage kind of structure was a good way to start with the fragrance. So what I did first was I designed like a classic Shepra and then I like cut away 80% of it. And then I sort of went, okay, what is the, what is the equivalent of the bergamot in this? And what is the equivalent of the citrus? And that was the cardamom, which is kind of like your hero at the start of the fragrance that kind of like breaks out the top for the first fragrance. And then it sort of goes down and it's like, okay, what comes next? What bridges the gap? What's the equivalent of the oak moss uh, in earth tone research, which is the, the Shepra version. Uh, that's the pine needle. So it sort of goes cardamom, pine needle, mitiatar. And then I was like, okay, what makes sense from what they liked to like fill the gaps and tell the story in a really compelling way. Um, and then you guys gave me a lot of great feedback in terms of what you wanted from it and what you enjoyed about it. And that helped me sort of steer it and include other interesting things like tamulawak, which is like half turmeric, half ginger, uh, ginger lily roots. Um, it's got a little bit of uh, labdanum in there as well. And also it does have a little bit of bergamot because I wanted to make it feel, it kind of needs to be unique enough to feel personal and expressive but familiar enough to kind of translate and resonate with people which is kind of that balance which I tried to strike and I did I did way too many drafts of it but usually it was me going from okay this maybe is like if you rubbed the hair of a dog backwards and you see it all like stick up I was like okay this is too uncommercial uh, and then sort of like you smooth it down and you're like okay this is too smooth so I kind of like tried to 
very intently have certain things sticking out just a little bit more than you would as if this was a mainstream fragrance because I wanted them to be like noticeable. So, you know, it says things like Tamulawak. I was like, I want to make sure that people can smell that in there. Things like the black pepper, the black tea um, and all those sort of other components because it's kind of like it's it's a bit of a shame if you list those things on there and they're not as like present as they could be. But at the same time, I wanted them all to be sort of dancing somewhat in sync so that they didn't overcrowd each other, which was a tricky balance to strike. I mean, I'm, I remember every, I'm don't, I don't think we saw smelt every draft, every draft oh, yeah. we smelt. Yeah. I was like, that's the one. <laughs> and then <laughs> we're, we're that's the hardest our... thing ever because I was like, I know that you love it, but <laughs> we could yeah. maybe. We're too eager. That's Earth Tone Research we're talking about Yeah, now. that's Earth the Tone Research, one. which was the well, first one. Well, Never Any Meadow, the second one, it didn't have as many drafts. I suppose it didn't need Well, as it many. had Earth Tone Research as a first draft, perhaps, even. So, or so at least back The back reason it had research. less drafts is because I'd already sort of gone through that soul-searching part of the creative process for me with Earth Tone Research. So by the time I'd finished Earth Tone Research, I had a really concrete idea of what story MFG smells like <laughs> and what sort of, like where to sort of place something on the spectrum for you guys in terms of how wild and out there it is or sort of how familiar that might be to people who love fragrance. So by the time I got to Never Ending Meadow, I was like, okay, I, I feel like I know sort of how to knock this out of the park. So I think that one only took me maybe six drafts, <laughs> whereas Earth Tone Research was nine, maybe 10 uh, different renditions. Intense. Just to go back to the Mithyata, um, it's quite poetic because of me and katie have had a lot of time with um, we didn't grow up in india but um i've drunk out of these things before in my childhood and then when we've been to india we've had a lot of wow. time drinking out of these chai like cups lots of tea they're um we they they they're so absorbent mm, but mm. they're just fired earth and they're unglazed fired yep. earth so you've got to drink your tea pretty quickly otherwise it, it starts to just if you've ever had terracotta pots and you water the plants and the, the it just seeps out um so it's quite beautiful that's like it returns but it's interesting because so many people i talk to have had some kind of weird it's a touchstone for some people. Mm, mm. Um, Vivek, who did the uh, campaign photography of this, his dad used to make these. Wow. Um, That's cool. It, which is extremely cool. Was it his uncle? Oh, world. So Someone used to make them in his family and they would uh, hear, I think here in the UK, um, but he's Indian heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so, such a beautiful th- thing because these used cups that they extract the scent from, such high effort for such small small amount of like intense beauty like very story and like you get the smell of the earth because it's fired earth but also all of the other spices Mm -hmm. that were in the tea that has been drunk it's so there's so much human human intervention all all the way through it um and then and i suppose that we, we we'd had a collection in the past called earth tone which was named after a cafe at like the top of a hill somewhere in in thailand that we, we used to go to we were like wow that's such a beautiful name and i think mm. we were reading a book at once and there was something called the something tones and it was all about like finding the finding the the resonance between two things i think i don't remember was that like a stephen king book or something we were reading anyway whatever it was power. So when you were talking, when you, I, 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 even though I shouldn't have been, I felt a little bit blindsided when we were in that, when we were chatting and you were like, can you give me a, give me a picture 
of what you yeah. would like it to smell yeah, like. Yeah, and I yeah. described like maybe like being outdoors and mm, camping mm. and like being like and 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 what I really meant to say was like the earth right but but like but like words are so blunt like if you say the earth like it's gonna smell it could smell pooey or manure or like green or sour or something so you know it's describing i was describing like a bonfire and camping and like Mm -mm. very like very like i guess i don't know not middle class but like very like very modern interpretation but what it captured is earth tone which is what we wanted like researching what the earth smells like i think that like hit the note and then and then and then smelling that one it was like that's perfect but what is not there and that was like all this floralness Mm -hmm. that's what's like those like what are the notes that are not played what other instruments should be involved there and then like what would the and then i remember talking to katie like and can we do another one and then talking (laughs) to Billy, like can we afford another one (laughs) and then finally talking to you like can we is it, can we do another one? And then, oh, thank God. And then like, it's like a perfect counterpart. They mm, really mm. smell. Sometimes I wear both in a day. Oh, beautiful. And I, and you can, they're both there and they're both separate, but they're really so harmonious, aren't they? Mm, 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 Why are you smiling at me? I know. Was two, two, who wears two perfumes? I wear so many perfumes. <laughs> really? Ones. Yeah. If I'm, if I, Evelina makes sure that I get to the airport with not enough time to try on every perfume. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I would too if I was your partner. I, that, I genuinely thought that was a big faux pas, like that you had to put one on and then you let it develop it. over the day. I mean, and... if you are, I mean, you could definitely say that, ah, oh, why would you do that? The perfume were only intended you to, to wear it by itself and it's a whole experience. Nah, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. I think, <laughs> I think I'm all for enjoy it whatever way makes sense for you. Um, but no, the the thing with the two sort of contrasting each other and the sort of picture that you brought up, the way that I create is very sort of, I picture a scene. It's almost like a frozen frame in time. If you sort of picture if time starts slowing down and stopping in a movie, and then I sort of picture this scene, and I'm like, okay, what's there? And I'm like, what's the feeling? Like, so my scene was sort of you two having a wonderful day in the forest. You sort of walked, uh, I don't know how many kilometers and sort of like woken up and you've got this beautiful like, I wanted I wanted the feeling of like having this rich and incredible natural world open up in front of you. So I wanted to make sure that there was a lot in there and it felt like you're sort of having your Alice in Wonderland moment where you're falling down the rabbit hole and you've got all of these beautiful, wonderful sort of parts of the story universe sort of unfurling themselves. So that's the kind of feeling which I was going for. Um, it, it reminds me of the sort of dust that you'd get stuck on your jacket if you spent like a whole day in the woods as a child you got this green sort of dust clinging to your fleece or something like that and then that was sort of I remember distinctly during our material discovery meeting you sort of put a cardigan on the table which was one of your spiral pattern ones and you said did you know the dyeing technique for this cardigan is over a thousand years old and we've used it to sort of draw these little cute spirals and I was like damn that's good (laughs) And the sort of thousand year old dying technique and sort of the very literal and sort of very tangible parts of the story universe is sort of more earth tone research. And then for the second one, when you guys gave me permission to do another, I was like, well, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go to the other end of my sort of mental brand spectrum, which is towards the the intangible world of story, which is the way that things make you feel, the sort of love for the sort of vintage things, the sort of you know, relationship that you have with nature and 
So it was sort of the joy of things and sort of abstract, and that was Never Ending Meadow. You guys are really good at naming things because for Never Ending Meadow, I just really wanted to capture almost this feeling of like floating like off your feet with like just joy and you've got all of these petals around you and it's like I wanted it to be floral but not sort of too floral cliche to sort of alienate someone who was like oh this doesn't feel like my particular gender expression I can't wear this so I was like no I want to make sure that this sort of is approachable for people who aren't used to wearing florals so yeah that was that was sort of the other direction I took was away from the sort of like rich beautiful bountiful nature and sort of towards the way that that nature makes us feel which is really abstract but for me that's kind of like my my comfort zone in terms of perfume I tend to sort of go for interpreting the way that I happen to be feeling and then turning that into a piece of fragrance how would you do how would you describe the two fragrances no I'm not gonna say anything now after Joseph well, I, I just sort said of don't want to ask Joseph <laughs> because as the creator it, I, I mean i would like to ask joseph but i would yeah, like to know yeah, what you yeah. think well, and what i think and it's then I'd really like to hard because it's like descri- it's like putting i don't know it's like describing a flavor it's really really hard it's easier for really me because i smelt it I, it's easier for me because i wrote the blurbs for the back so i've had <laughs> well, a bit I of think joseph should have written the blurb for the back no i don't think i should have because i think <laughs> if if i were to definitively say it smells like this it means this to me then i feel like as the perfumer, I have too much authority and I worry that this would limit people from interpreting it in their own way. That's why I didn't ask you. And that's also, that's also, it's a real challenge. It's a challenge it I is, haven't faced before. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To write something that gives someone a, gives someone an idea of what it is mm, without, mm. without directing them. And <clears throat> for different reasons than you, for, for you, you would be what you would not want to lead someone somewhere Correct. that they yes. wouldn't get to. Yeah. For me, I wouldn't want to say it smells vanillary mm. and then someone buys it because it smells vanillary and they're like, this doesn't smell vanillary because they've got a different yeah, experience. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so that's tough. Do you, the, so we try, try to, when people ask me how it smells, I've, I've got, I do explain it, but mm. it's, <clears throat> It's like deliberately abstract, Mm-mm-mm-mm. but I, I'm going to now. <laughs> go, go for it. And then maybe I will. The, I've, got I've them, been thinking I've got about them here if you want to try them on. Right <laughs> More now. easily, I might just read what I wrote. Oh, that's a good oh, idea. Oh, that's cheating. That's really well, this one's Never Ending Meadow. This one, I don't need to look at too much, but this one really smells jammy to me. Like mm. jammy, mm. floral. No, not to you. Not, not jammy. I don't think jammy. Jammy in like, a, it's... I know this is not going to be something that everyone has experience of. It really smells like when you, if you're fermenting something really sugary at home, and it's see, this is the thing. I got, yeah, I got a nod, nod. I've got a nod. I'll and, nod and anything a, and, a, and a no. I will Why? validate anyone's feelings about perfume. Floral. It smells like florals and teas. Can I have a, can I have a little, a, yeah, a little whiff? Have a little whiff. I'll, I'll, while you're having a whiff, I'll. I'll read you what's on the back of here. <clears throat> and you better not say it's wrong because this is going on the back. This is on the back of everything already. <laughs> Never Running Meadow is a study of blooming wild open spaces. The scent is built upon jasmine sandback combined with oils from clay pots, a flurry of florals and leaves traditionally used as teas. It's a symphony of fermented, earthy, woody, floral, sugary notes, an expansive sensory melody. You getting all that? Actually, yes, as you were reading it and I was smelling it at the same time. That's another thing I found interesting. Like, Mm-mm-mm-mm. I really could smell the tea-iness. I can even though it really hasn't got smell tea the tea in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but it's more the looking up what's in the very secret recipe mm-hmm. how many of them are used as teas for various reasons medicinal mm. or just enjoyment yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's definitely and we're transported back oh. to the first the first cupping <laughs> 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 katie just keeps shoving stuff up her nose and being quiet <laughs> So a little, I'm not, no, a little, you do it, Joseph. A little point of clarification for everyone at home: with <laughs> perfume, there is both materials and notes. Materials is what is in it. That's vetiver, patchouli, orange. Notes is whatever it smells like to you, and notes can never be wrong. So if it smells like a hot car, that smells like a hot car to you. That's totally fine. If it smells like you know a jacket that you had when you were twelve, that's what it smells like to you. That's totally valid. The thing which is like frustrating to me as a perfumer is when people like try and limit each other they're like well actually that's vetiver that's not that nutty biscuit that you had last week so it's it's wild to me because imagine if you treated paintings the same way then appreciating paintings would be walking into a museum and going blue paint red paint mm, yellow paint green paint the, the the way to enjoy there's no proper way to enjoy anything but i think you miss out on a lot if you don't try and like apply your own perspective to it and interpret it in a way which makes sense to you do you think you being a kind of outsider you're like in that you haven't been you not working from like a a big house or anything Mm. do you think being an outsider makes you makes you better at it because i know just to shoehorn ourselves in i know that for me and katie (laughs) that's how we feel that being outsiders to our field means that we can put together A and B without knowing that it's wrong and then mm. create a hot, something new. I, I mean, I can't remember, I can't even count the amount of times we've been told you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. Or you should, and then we do it and like sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. But all the times that they're wrong is what story is because we didn't know what the fuck we're doing. Um, do you find do, do you find that do you find that? I could give myself the world's quickest win and say yes, but mm. I think I'm going to say no, not necessarily better, but different. I think if I had been of a formal perfume education background, then maybe I'd be sort of more mainstream in the way that I do things. Maybe my creative process would be different. Maybe I'd have sort of more set ideas or understanding of what particular materials are and what they should be doing within a composition but because i've sort of come at it from the outside independent perspective i kind of have my own way of going about doing things and i think that is from a very like emotional sort of interpretation and abstract interpretation way so for example i don't know for sure a mainstream perfumer is a beautiful thing they are beautiful people with great hearts and minds and they are really good at making fragrances that a lot of people are going to enjoy but I think if you were to tell me to, can you make something that smells like sad banana just given to me by, by like from my grandmother? I'd be like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I know. We had the Christmas party here and Ilka, our, um, who works with us, said, can you make a perfume that, that's about the fall of communism? And you, <laughs> you were immediately like, yeah, here we go. I was and like, yeah, went, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> fully, fully, fully. You could, you could give me that question. You could wake me up at 3 a.m., give me that question, and I could do it within 30 <laughs> seconds. I used to have a, uh, well, I still have a really good friend. He used to live, uh, we used to work together. Uh, and sometimes he'd like play me random jazz songs and he'd be like, what does this song smell like? And I'd have until the song ended to like write down what the song would be like if it was a fragrance. So that kind of thing is my wheelhouse and the way of doing things. I don't think that's better or necessarily worse than the way that sort of, you know, Ivy League or mainstream 
perfumers uh, operate, uh, but it is different. And I think that allows me to do certain things maybe in a different, yeah, maybe better if way. If I said better, it was a, it was a mistake. I, no, I no, probably no, that's did, fine. But different is, that's what I mean. I mean, it's yeah, finding yeah. the gaps and being and take and 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 um filling out those gaps mm, 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 mm. um let's move on to the next one i, I have a different question well yeah. only because you mentioned it a couple of times and i don't think i've ever actually asked you sure but you said that you did a master's in luxury yes i'm um, that's just quite interesting to me what what's that oh man so i was looking to do a master's degree because my partner evelina was doing a master's degree and i was like I know that I feel I'll feel disappointed because I didn't feel compelled to do a master's. I was like, I know I'll feel disappointed if like she's studying and I'm just like working and like helping us survive. I mean, that's still great, but I was like, I want to be, I want to be doing something as well. So I picked uh, luxury because I'd worked previously for a luxury retailer and I figured, oh, this is something that which I kind of know, maybe I'll be able to enjoy this. And I really did. And then within luxury, I was specializing in perfume and fashion and it was not that we had to pick specializations. It was just, I wrote every assignment about either perfume or fashion. So you didn't go into it thinking those are what I'm going to focus on. In in hindsight, I should have seen it coming, but I really didn't. I, Hmm. one of the assignments that we were given was pick a brand and then find out a new product category for them to enter like a luxury brand and then write an assignment about how they would go about this strategically, their promotion, like their different channels, everything else, et cetera, et cetera. I wrote two different versions of that assignment. One was like four times longer than it needed to be and had a full plan for like the five fragrances they were going to release, (laughs) all of the notes, all of the materials, how they were going to promote them, the different testers. And then for the actual one, I was like, and now here's the real version of the assignment where I don't include the full, like how I'd actually go about making the perfumes. This is just like the promotional aspect. Um, So yeah, I should have seen that coming, but luxury was really fun. It's who was that brand? That brand was ooh, it was a cold wall. So I designed a set of five fragrances for a cold wall, who I don't own any items of, but because I research a lot of brands and I love brands with a perspective, that was one where I was like, yeah, this will be the easiest thing in the world. They have so much going on for them. They have so many interesting things. Uh, Their creative director Samuel Ross is brilliant. So yeah, I I thought that that would be a good one to pick. They've got such a strong aesthetic. Oh man, they truly do. A lot of it's like removing things. Mm, 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 Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, that sounds Oh, but that sounds like a challenge. Sounds like a challenge. Yeah. That's crazy. So you, you, you didn't, you weren't in, thinking about perfume before you started the masters. Then, then was it that project? And it was, it was a couple of other projects. So luxury is the study of why people like things enough to pay much for them. And the way, the different ways in which they like things and the different reasons and sort of what luxury is and sort of people's high value relationships with objects. Um, And so it's a little bit more philosophical, philosophical than like regular marketing or like other areas of the business school. It's sort of very theoretical. It's very academic. And I love it because it's so people focused. So for example, it wouldn't be wrong to say, yeah, luxury for me is time or luxury for me is like a glass bottle of Coke, not a plastic bottle of Coke. So yeah, it's very personal and it's very interesting and it's very about people. And at the time, no, I didn't necessarily think that I was going to do perfume, but I kept writing about it because I was like, I know I know quite a bit about this and I can really get into it. And it's really like easy to write academic things about perfume because it's all about people and feelings. And then towards the end of my master's degree, I had to do a final sort of, I could either do a thesis or I could do what is called a client project. I picked client project, which was with the perfume brand Thomas Clipper. 
And that was a real joy. Uh, they were really generous in allowing me to work with them and sort of come up with sort of the project was to sort of do research on how people engage with perfume uh, online, sort of what sort of descriptions of perfume translate online, what people like about perfume, the way that it makes them feel. And they were sort of thinking of, um, yeah, doing something which I can't actually mention because NDA. But uh, <laughs> no, it was a big project for them. They were really great. And I did really well. I got an incredible grade, the highest grade I'd ever gotten. And I was like, hmm, I kind of enjoyed working with clients. Well, that was that, I guess. I'm going to go get a regular desk job. And then I did. And But in the background, I continued to work on perfume, which at the time was still a hobby. But it's a really expensive hobby. So you kind of have to find a way to make that hobby pay for itself or have a lot of money. And I didn't have a lot of money. So I started only doing sort of big projects with perfume. I do like little experiments and, and tests and things. Um, but I only started doing like big things with perfume and like fully fledged fragrances when I had clients who could like pay for it. Amazing. I, they were lucky to have you, Clip Thomas Clipper. They're lovely guys. Love them both. Matt and Antonio, shout out. Um, so you've mentioned them and mm -hmm. then you mentioned a cold war. Do you, do you have any other, like, I don't know what the word would be like, maybe they're not muses, but like people that you, that inspire you or things where you're like, Ooh, that could be, <laughs> that could be cool to do something with. In terms of people that inspire me, there's a very general sort of broad answer to that, which is any sort of person who has come into either a system or an industry or an art space as a bit of an outsider, uh, they'll usually have to have changed that art form on the way up. So purely, it's not it's not all women, but because there are so many industries, especially perfume, that are male-dominated, most of my favorite perfumers, by coincidence, happen to be female perfumers because they've had to be nothing short of groundbreaking to get anywhere at all. Um, so those kind of people who are maybe like not, those kind of people who are a minority within their sphere and have worked their way up innovating the whole way, which is usually the only way to work up when you're a minority in your sphere, and then become sort of mentors for other people uh, to sort of, you know, learn and enter their area as well. Those are the kind of people who inspire me, who I look up to a lot. Um, and then more specifically, uh, my partner inspires me a lot. She's a really great person and I'm always blown away by how somebody can be so strong and kind at the same time. Um, she's endlessly funny and just stupidly creative. And yeah, she inspires me every day. Well, that's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I was going to say she inspires me too. I've met her she and I agree. She, 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 she is an inspirational person. She inspires our son too, our two and a half year old. Who, <laughs> for some reason, just her. absolutely loves her. I mean, she is a lovely person, but He's met her twice. He talks about her like she's like the queen. She's, she's thrilled. Got, she got, loves it so she, much. He's, she's. I don't. I haven't even said it to you, but this, she, the other day I just caught him and he was like, "Everly," <laughs> just singing a song. <laughs> she has her very first super fan. It's yeah. great. <laughs> Truly wonderful. Yeah. Um, I would like to, let's talk about the next, the other fragrance, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Earth Tone Research, which was the first fragrance, but mm -hmm. the second we're talking about, what does it smell like to you, Katie? Cause this oh, is what we've written okay. on the, well, well, this, we've started a, we've started yeah. a thing now. Well, this one I find easier to describe. I'll read I you. I don't know why. I'll read it's you less it abstract. I'll say that much. Mm. The box says, nice, isn't it? Earth Tone Research is a study of the scent of the earth. 
This fragrance is built around Miti Attar, an extract from broken and discarded tea vessels distilled with the same process and respect given to the finest roses. It takes its place amongst among a chorus of earthy, powerful notes that harmoniously work together to create a gigantic sensory song. Rereading that, I, I relived the trauma of trying to write something that was about the perfume that wasn't too It's so specific. hard, right? Yeah. I thought you were going to say rereading that, you realized we should have gone with amongst instead of among, which we totally <laughs> discussed in for a long time. Amongst us. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Just for, the, just for those listening, the, there's Katie sitting there silently with a, <laughs> with a perfume bottle up her nose. Right, it's def right, it's sweet. Mm. Mm, 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 and mm. spicy. Mm-hmm. And warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rich. Rich. The sweet the sweet aspect I only added, I think, by draft six after a visit to uh, a forest where I just grabbed some grabbed some bark off a tree and I sort of like tore it a little bit and I smelled it and I was like, Well actually there's a sweetness there as well. Um and so that was sort of a later addition, but I found that it really really did good with the sort of mid down to the base part and sort of connected those two really nicely. Just a slight sweetness. Definitely earthy. Um, Now I'm getting bark, but I think I'm just really... Bark, yeah. I mean, everyone's going to smell a little something a little different. There's there's how many ingredients in that one? That one, I believe, is over 60. Materials. um, Which is, for a fragrance, that's kind of really too far. That's that's (laughs) so many. Yeah, I I mean, the, the place that we made it at seemed... Not overwhelmed, but <laughs> surprised. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of... If if any other perfumer finds out that you've used that many materials, it's sort of like going to your dentist knowing full well you haven't brushed your teeth in six years. <laughs> They're like, why did you do... And how did this... Huh? What? Huh? I mean, it's the same as our clothing. Like, uh, I can yeah, draw in parallels, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. We, you know, we've got, we've got, we've got one main... Um, per- partner that we've made with for, mm-hmm. for the longest time and we have used other factories and we do now um and we'll take they'll be like yeah of course we'd love to work with you we'd love to work with story <laughs> and we're like we try and tell them okay you know what you're getting in for what you, what you, you know? and then they're like yeah yeah and, and in their head i'm sure they're like how hard could it be it's just a jacket and then you know they get sent a tech pack which is the which is the the instructional manual for how to, for, for what we're expecting how to make the thing and then you just hear like a <laughs> like long long deep breath and in every and, and often people can't meet what it is because it's just i mean to to paraphrase unreasonably extra mm, however mm. you take one element away and you're just left with something really underwhelming somehow yeah, 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 yeah. let me ask you something though you, yes. so there's four there's over 60 ingredients yep. all, all there and thereabouts. so mm-hmm. why why on the ingredients is there only like six so the reason that there's so many different materials is part of that is taking these materials which are a little bit wilder and then adding an element of nuance. So there's some materials which aren't listed there, which I've just put in because they created a nice harmony of cardamom, which allowed a higher amount of cardamom to be present without overwhelming the whole composition. Mm-hmm. And some of it is about adding what I talked about earlier, which is that element of familiarity. So there's all these like super cool, super interesting, quite esoteric, different materials. But then I also added some underlying beats of familiarity that sort of help it sort of fit a little bit into what people are used to smelling. And then other things are just because I wanted 
I wanted this thing to be so multifaceted, so rich and kaleidoscopic that like you would keep discovering different elements over time as it sort of developed on your skin, different seasons, different temperatures. So I, I just wanted it to be really, really full. And but legally, do we just we just put that many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's actually the the notes. That's not the materials. The not only this bit. Oh, that bit. Yeah, the ingredients. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. So back to me loving rules. Uh, the ingredients that you find on the back of perfumes are actually the allergens that you have to declare and the materials which might cause okay. sort of sensitivity. So that's what you might say. Yeah, uh, in terms of fragrance. And these, uh, one of the misconceptions is that people often think that these come from synthetic ingredients, which is not true. Uh, for example, if I was to ask you, why do flowers smell? You might tell me, ah, oh, it's to attract pollinators. It's also to repel things that might eat them. And people have a hard time understanding that things which are natural might contain harmful sort of, uh, for lack of a better word, chemicals. So rose oil, for example, is not just one chemical. It's like a myriad. It's like a picture and then it's made of pixels. It's a myriad of different chemicals. Rose oil has things that it wants to attract pollinators with and it's got things that it wants to use to stop itself from being eaten. And people very often have this sort of Garden of Eden mindset where they think, well, everything that's natural is for people. This whole world was made for us. Rose oil must be good for us because it exists in the world naturally. And that's not entirely wrong, but it's not entirely true. It's all about dosage. Mm. If you think about um, one that people know really well is, of course, capsicum, which is in spicy foods. And it's just like capsicum. Every plant, every flower has its own version of capsicum and it smells a certain way. Cinnamon has something like coumarin, which is like this nice creaminess to it. And it's got eugenol, which is spicy um, and it smells great, but it also stops things from eating it. So yeah, the ingredients on the back. Eugenol. Yeah, eugenol. Um, that's that's what those are. Those are the sort of things which you have to declare. And because you're declaring the parts of something that could affect affect someone, uh, then you don't have to specify everything that's in a fragrance because you've already told people what's in it that they need to watch out for if they happen to have an allergy or a sensitivity to something. There's an amazing amount of rules with perfume. I, I love mean, it. We're learning more every day and learning how hard it is. Mm -hmm. The one that bothers me most, and it's something that I've like something that we've made like very particular drawn particular attention to because I don't like it. I don't like the idea that we tr that we seem to be hiding anything is the plastic that's in the packaging mm. there mm. is no getting around it but also right correct me if I'm wrong but yeah. aren't all of the ingredients biodegradable and that's, that's something correct, which yeah. I still blows my mind that was it's that, a liquid mm -mm -mm -mm. That again was another instance of me going way too far in the name of like trying to make it as story as possible. <laughs> so not all fragrance materials are biodegradable. Uh, and that's not always a bad thing because the reason that we don't like non-biodegradable things is like microplastics is because they get stuck inside seagulls and kill them. Um, but you've never cut open a seagull and had like, hmm, eau de cologne. Uh, the thing with non-biodegradable fragrance materials is that they might be non-biodegradable, but they're also harmless. But if they are non-biodegradable, there are limitations that the government puts on them to sort of make sure that you're not adding too much just in case. Because if you suddenly find out, you know, 30 years later, oh, this thing that we thought was totally safe and is non-biodegradable actually is not so safe, uh, then that's a super bad thing. So 
if something is non-biodegradable, then it has a limitation applied to it. But everything that I have used, all of those 60 plus ingredients uh, is biodegradable, which I had to do individual due diligence on. Um, some of which I had to phone up the companies themselves and sort of ask to get through to them to speak to them to find out if this was biodegradable or not. Um, even down to the antioxidant, um, usually perfumes will use an antioxidant called BHT, uh, which is just to stop it from losing its color and stop it from losing some of its like sparkle and freshness over time. Uh, the antioxidant in this one is actually a natural antioxidant, which is tocopherol, uh, also known as vitamin E. Um, and that's sort of going way too like beyond, like I doubt most perfumers would have even mentioned to you two the fact that an antioxidant was needed or what it was or that they'd gone and found a substitute. So yeah, it's amazing. It was a lot of work, but now that I've sort of put in the research it's nice to have sort of like this mind map of all these story adjacent uh, perfume materials antioxidants rain very <clears throat> cast a long shadow across story we, we use them a lot for natural dyeing wow which antioxidant we use and choose to use them and how to use them mm -mm 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 -mm. make a make a huge effect across the company just to go back to what i was saying i want to touch on something you said but also just because i said the amount of plastic and i don't want someone to hear it and be like is it all made of plastic it's no. not made of plastic <laughs> in fact we've got rid of all of the plastic that is legally we're illegally allowed to get rid of mm -hmm. it's just the 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 stem the, the, I, I, the, the atomizer wick yeah the atomizer and the, the wick we we there was there's no alternative that we're legally allowed to use it has to be non-reactive yes maybe joseph could invent something well i <laughs> invent something yeah i don't know i don't think it would be allowed by law uh if anyone ever comes across anything ever mm -hmm. we're around but uh i will say that it's not a single use material can be reused, can be refilled. And when you, if and when you buy something, there's a little letter that's expressly in there because of this this part of it, which I feel like is a slight failing on our part, however. And then the, the I know this is not a Joseph question, but I just want to go into it. The, the lid, which is made, which it looks like a rock, which is made from um, old cotton, uh from you i think largely from our own manufacturing excess but we don't really make enough excess anymore to make all of the paper we need to um with foam cotton and um cork to grip it this was like a project on its you own to hold that. yeah i'm Fall gonna break it uh we found that there was no lids that were not made of plastic because plastic is so good mm. at gripping i found some on different websites like in other languages um, but none that are available to us, um, apart from, you know, there's a brand Hakels, they, they make, make some out of metal that I think just kind of creates like an air gap. No one else is doing anything. It's just a piece of plastic they throw away. So we designed and invented this new thing. Katie went to our play, our, um, our paper place and, and they co-created it and it's really great. It's really mm -hmm. wonderful. I love them so much. Um, and then to go back to what you were saying is can you explain like what a scent, what a scent is? I remember you explaining to us that there are man-made ones. There are some that are trademarked. There's mm. some oh, yes, natural. Oh yes, the molecules. The molecules. Thing with the molecules. Can, give us a give us like an explain like I'm five on all that. Sure. Yeah. 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 So there's a bunch of different things which go into a fragrance, and you don't have to include all of them. You can choose if you wanted to to only use naturals, only use synthetics. There's no right way or wrong way of doing it. Um, but there are sort of different categories and different ways that these are going to work. So for example, you've got natural extractions, you've got essential oils, CO2 extract, absolutes, resins, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, you've got natural isolates. So these will be something which has been isolated from a natural source. It exists in nature, but it exists as part of that like 
rose oil picture. It'll be like one of the rose oil pixels, like eugenol, for example, that's a natural isolate. And you could just put pure eugenol inside your fragrance. If you wanted to, you could just add like a little bit of a spicy edge because eugenol is responsible for like the slight spiciness of roses, which we like a lot. Uh, and then you've got fully synthetic materials, which are just synthesized in a lab, don't exist in nature. Uh, and then you've got, uh, you can also have synthetic materials which are derived from sort of a more organic process for example white biotech which is also fermentation you can use like sugarcane and then you can ferment that with a particular process to create something like uh ambrox super which is in like an amber marine kind of molecule um so those are sort of like the different strata of more natural less natural fully synthetic so all the ones contained in story are sort of the parts of it the parts of the story fragrance which are synthetic are sort of the latest and greatest um, in terms of innovation for uh, organic process. So they will have been like fermented sugar, uh, sugar cane, which has been used to like create particular molecules, or it's been like um, recycled byproduct from extraction process for osmanthus uh, is another one. Or another great one is like uh, rose petals, which have been already extracted from uh, those will be like re-extracted again to get like another batch of oil from them. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the different kind of like categories of, uh, aroma chemical or fragrance material that you can have. Something that was surprising to me on that mm. was that, was that some molecules are trademarked. Are they yes, trademarked yeah, or are they, yeah. is, there some, is there another word, copyright, copyrighted? I believe, I believe the processes of creation are trademarked are because they're patented. They're patented. Little, yes, that's, that's it. For. That's it. So yeah. they're patented. Uh, and these will be created by those sort of like four or five large um, perfume houses in the world because they also have their own labs. They have like hundreds of scientists working for them all the time to create these patented molecules. And then what they'll do is, is that they'll try and use these molecules as a USP. They'll train their perfumers to use them as much as possible. And so for example, if you were to work with them, they'd sort of introduce you to a molecule, get you hooked on it. Um, and then you'd know that like you could only get that from them. Um, so you'd have to go back to them if you wanted to like get that particular. I remember when I was in my twenties, though the the they started releasing a bunch of new drugs, like yeah, they were called yeah. like meow meow or methadrome or mm -hmm. whatever, and they would be they would be speed or cocaine, but a to get around the law where you know certain molecules or compounds are outlawed, they would change one they would change one part of it. They, mm -hmm. would, they would change the formula very slightly so that it was no longer in breach of the law, but it was ostensibly the same thing, although it sometimes had slightly different, and they were made in a lab. Um, and I remember at the time, um, the the way, because in the UK at least, things are legal until they're made illegal rather than being blanket illegal until they were made legal. Um, I remember that then the the the, the way to f that these labs that were kind of like white hat versions had to try and work at work ahead of trying to work out what would become next and make those illegal before they be before they mm, were discovered. Mm, mm. Um, I imagine that's probably a lot easier nowadays. That, that I'm, I'm sure can, that could be done with AI. This sounds really similar. What's to stop them just making a bunch of prospecting like all these different things and like patenting loads and loads of them and closing it off to everybody is it i guess that i guess the thing to stop them would be that there's probably like an exponential per amount of permutations of things there's a lot of possible molecules out there and the development process as you can imagine is very expensive very time consuming 
Uh, in addition to that, there's like insane. You think you think the amount of regulation that you have to go through to get a perfume to market is crazy? Try inventing a molecule. It's so much. It it's it's actually like crazy. So if you were a lab or like one of these big companies and you were like, I'm going to corner the market. I'm going to monopolize every molecule that ever could exist. And I will have the patent. You'll go bankrupt within like the first year. Yeah, it's, that makes sense. I yeah. felt stupid as I was answer, as I was asking the no, question. No, yeah, but you wanted question. to do it yourself. It's, I was working it out. I was question. like, <laughs> I, I realized I, as I was saying, I was like, right. As soon as you do it, then you have to test it on skin and yeah. a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, I mean, even sending it in the post right mm -hmm. now for us, we have to go through, a, we have to, one of the one of the, Emily's got to have to do, has to do a course mm -hmm. next week for to be allowed to send perfume in the post. Oh yeah, and that's the that's a point percent of a percent of how hard mm -hmm. it is. It's mm. because perfume is classified as a hazard, which is not the same thing as calling it dangerous. It's just if there was a worst case scenario, then it could be bad for the bad for the people carrying it, bad for the environment. Um, other examples of hazards where you need certification in order to post them internationally is milk. For example, if you spilled a load of milk, um, you wouldn't cry about it, but the ocean would because uh, because the ocean would because um, that would completely disrupt the ecology in the ocean. If you spilled a load of milk, oh my gosh, that's like gallons of milk. That's going to do so much damage. So all of these different scenarios are the different hazards, and you kind of have to make sure that you know the companies that go about posting perfume. Um, no matter how big or how small they might be or how big or how small the quantities might be, you know, make sure that people know what they're doing and that it's done in a, mm. in a safe way. We've got 10 minutes before we've got to get our son who, who's being looked after by my brother-in-law who also set up this podcast for us. So thank you, Uncle Iman. <laughs> thank you, Iman. <laughs> he's, he's, doing, he's doing a lot of, he's doing double duty today. Um, <clears throat> but I wanted to ask you two quick questions. One mm. is, um, I remember you saying that amongst your compatriots, you everybody has kind of a handwriting mm. um what would you say your handwriting was for perfume that people could smell and be like oh that's probably a joseph oh so my handwriting in sort of a metaphorical sense mm. okay that's great because I, I i for a moment there i was worried you were gonna check uh <laughs> it's really tough it's kind of like harder to see yourself when you are within yourself it's easier to see yourself from the outside and i think that my signature tends to be I like to think that it's things which have a level of emotional intentionality. I think my fragrances have a certain hopeful nostalgia to them. Uh, and people that I know, my other compatriots or mentors or the other perfumers which I know and love, they say that I do have something distinct to the way that I design perfumes. No one has been able to put their finger on it just yet. Um, I think they tend to be, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a certain way that they feel rather than the way that they smell. Um, wow, that's so much more poetic than I thought. I thought you'd be like, oh, it's, I've got more like... I just always use yeah. Tamulawak. <laughs> I have never used Tamulawak before this project. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say that right now. I think if you're looking for an answer in terms of the fragrances or the fragrance materials, which I tend to use a lot, um, one which I just love is rosemary. Even just like the smallest amount of rosemary can do something to a fragrance, even if it's like, you know, a completely unrelated sort of clean white floral. If you added a touch of rosemary, it starts to get a bit interesting. So I like to take things and add sort of nuances that are like not not super noticeable, but they're noticeable to me. And I think that they have more of an effect on the way that somebody feels about the fragrance rather than being something that they can pick out. Interesting. 
Um, something else I'm excited to ask you mm. is what excites you about the future of perfume? Like, do you think that there's, is there anything that is, do you, do you see anything coming that's going to make it more exciting or is it, I mean, I don't know, like, like what, what excites you about the future of perfume? Oh man, so many things. Uh, innovation right now is really good. Um, no hate to the large perfume sort of houses in the world. They do a lot of work in terms of creating new sustainable alternatives for existing uh, fragrance materials, which I do like a lot. And they're starting to compete with each other a little bit more on that front too. So they're all trying to like one up each other in terms of how um, how interesting and sort of exciting and sort of sustainable their products can be, which is great. Um, other things which excite me are, I think perfume is becoming more democratized. It's like, imagine if clothing was 90% of clothing was made by four different companies. How would you feel if like you were a clothing consumer, maybe perfume, it's harder to notice because you can't actually see it, but that's kind of like how it feels to be in perfume or how it felt to be in perfume before like the rise of Indian niche. But Indian niche is sort of going from strength to strength right now. So consumers are getting more options. Consumers are sort of trying new things that they haven't tried before. I, I think that's making things a lot more interesting is like the diversity that you're getting these days. Do you think that in the Arab world, mm. there is loads more indie and there always has been. Like I remember as a kid, you would you would go to a, a, a place to buy your, per, your perfume for want of a better word, but it wasn't really just perfume. They'd have like hard perfumes and the, they would have um, like like um, that you would burn. Everything would be in this one shop, but yeah. it was all very indie makers and sometimes even making it there. It was very, very fancy. But I, but do you, do you think that people, that, do you think that, but in those cases, people were really used to spend used to spending money on yeah, that. Yeah. Like you would go to one of those places, not not for a local and cheap version of things. You'd go there to get the luxury, expensive mm -hmm. version of things, where they would use to have these like rare extracts from Vietnamese wood, and you know yada yada yada. Do you think that the rise of niche, as you called it, perfume, it like correlates to the like the ink the the people paying more money in general for perfume like the perfume that we're putting out is you know kind of expensive but it's in line with like byredo and yeah, all these yeah, other yeah. places yeah. that's and it's it's more money than i've ever really spent on perfume myself but having only really only bought it from from a boutique in the airport probably for me right for you do you think mm -hmm. that and the same's happened with clothing like there's a lot more indie brands but there's also a higher price point mm. around that allows us indie brands to flourish otherwise we couldn't we couldn't do it so the question is what do i think do you think it do you think that's one of the reasons that just that people people are used to spending more money now on perfume i think it's a bit of that but you know expensive perfumes have existed for a very long time i mean for 7-eleven which is you know one of the cheapest colognes you can get right now used to cost an arm and a leg comparatively i think right now some of the factors impacting sort of people's relationship with fragrance is that I think it allows them to go places that maybe they just can't afford to go right now. Mm -hmm. uh, travel has become really expensive. Um, clothing is great, but I think people after, after the pandemic especially are sort of maybe getting more in tune with their feelings as well. And I think perfume is very related to that. I think perfume, it's nice to have a ritual. It's nice to sort of have that little bit of extra um, self-care sometimes. I think... Yeah, I think people are just seeing more value in it. Are seeing like they want to invest in it, not necessarily to pick up their hot gender of choice or to, 
you know, try and do something, but they're doing it for themselves. Uh, and I think that's that's a more recent shift. And by recent, I mean like over the last 10 years, I think people have started consuming perfume in a different way. I don't necessarily know what it is that's causing this change, but I think that people are sort of seeing it more as something that's worth investing in. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I w- while we were doing the images and writing and all of the like, we're not a big brand, so we don't mm. have as much, we don't create as much in the way of assets, but it did, I did... I did realize that or I was thinking that perfume more than anything else that I've known apart from maybe like underwear or something has been like the uh, an industry where where it's marketed like really on like sexiness oh, yeah. it's always about like how fuckable you can you look yeah, or, yeah, 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 or yeah. like how like masculine mm-hmm. or like classically one and like we haven't marketed like that but also loads of people loads of brands aren't mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's so many more about like fun or connectivity or nostalgia or or you know there's it, it almost seems a bit cringe now mm, like mm. like see johnny depp topless on a on the side of a bus stop who hasn't yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah i i think part of it is because sometimes the person who is the easiest to convince with a product which is all about sort of feelings is somebody who is feeling maybe insecure or is not sure sort of what to do so, for example, you'll find that a lot of online communities tend to be made up of people who are looking for fragrance for a specific reason. And there's a reason that they've turned to online for that. And that's usually because they're like, oh, I don't know what I can wear to the office or I don't know like what I can wear to pick up people. Um, so, yeah, I, I do understand that that's still used to sell fragrance a lot. It's not used for things which are a little bit more tangible. So, obviously, within luxury, there is what something is and there is what something the way that something makes people feel and what it means to people with clothing there is a large amount of how the, that thing makes people feel and what it means to people with fragrance that's like 90 percent. Mm. that's like 90 percent of what you are experiencing when you smell something is the way that you, it makes you feel and what you associate with it so if you associate you know topless johnny depp with this fragrance and you want to look like topless johnny depp then that's going to really work super well but if it's clothing that's not going to, you know, I'm not going to look at a bus stop and see topless Johnny Depp and go like, yeah, that could be me if I had his tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to feel that way. But because fragrance is so intangible and these intangibles are really easy to communicate in a digital space and in a visual space. Um, yeah, it, it does play well to that kind of thing. Whereas maybe clothing, it's it's a lot more about I mean, it's also about the way that it makes you feel, but it's more like 60-40, whereas perfume is like 90-10. I just gave you a phone back in case. We wrote some questions. I think we've answered them. All. I was just going to um, ask you, do you more. think there was any more that you wanted to ask before I wrap up? No, I could just keep talking about it for ages. Is there anything you think I haven't covered in this? Um, ooh, mm, no, I think... I, I think, think we should, we should just do this again. I think we've done a lot. I'd, I'd be more than happy to do <laughs> this again. Yeah, I want to know, like... What are your favorite fragrances? Like, what's okay, let's your favorite, them. like, let's save them. individual save smell? Like, let's what food them. do you like? I'm going to wrap up. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. wrap And up. just let everybody know that mm-hmm. these fragrances should, barring any major issues, be launching uh, this Thursday, which would be um, possibly after this comes out or before this comes out. Good luck, Emily. <laughs> Good luck, everybody. <laughs> um, they'll probably only be launching here in the UK from our website, com because of shipping, uh, what would you call it? Trouble. Not really. Complexities. Not complexities. Extreme <laughs> complexities in shipping abroad. Um, but 
you can buy in Europe from Dover Street Market, which is a big, um, yeah, we're really happy to be launching with them because, of course, it's Dover Street Market. They've really great. They've got lots of Love really them. cool indie perfume mm-hmm. stuff in their fragrance store in Paris. So you'll be able to buy in Europe. Um, and I mean, that's kind of one of those places where I'm like, if I wanted to buy something and I didn't want to be standard, I'd be like, what have they got? And yeah, in fact, that's how I bought the last perfume for you. Um, and I think also we're launching in the States with Mohawk General Store, who will have a couple of, who have both fragrances. I don't know which sizes though. And 50, then 50 mil. And then hopefully once we work, run, run the gamut of being able to send abroad, we'll also be able to send from storefty.com to, um, the states and canada i mean northern america and australia but not japan or south korea ever i think is that right japan maybe someday south korea never okay unfortunately sorry south korea for mysterious reasons that we will go into next time we talk about this <laughs> um thank you so much joseph thank you thank joseph you. one that thing that you guys can't see is how cold it is in the room i couldn't work out the heating <laughs> okay <laughs> all right thank you very much thank you joseph thank you